Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Roman's Empire podcast, uh, where we talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. So <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners will be disappointed hearing my voice on the intro and not Zach's. Some people will be excited, but finally, Zach is missing an episode, and I can be the one giving him crap for missing. Uh, but seriously, we're recording a little bit earlier in the day to accommodate our special guest, uh, who is currently residing in London right now. So just to account for the time difference, so... Zach is working right now, but more on the special guest in a minute. First, I got to introduce my co-host here with me for the day, Andreas. Uh, from what I understand, you got some pretty good news today. Yeah, I got my COVID-19 test back. I'm finally negative. And to yeah. tie it along, I also have the antibodies. So feeling pretty grateful that even throughout the process, I only had symptoms for about a day. Uh, started going a little crazy during lockdown, but I'll get to see a little bit of fresh air again. So FIFA I'm excited kept about you that. Saying, huh? Yeah, you guys, you guys <laughs> playing FIFA with me online and Ultimate Team was was a, a nice escape from that's the a... walls of my bedroom. Yeah, sometimes that's all we got, man. FIFA. Um, <laughs> and now, as has been promised, I want to introduce you all to probably the biggest guest to appear on our show. No, no. Actually, the biggest guest to ever have appeared on our show. Hands the down. ghost. The, the host. The ghost. The host <laughs> of the Golasso Show on CBS Sports, Mr. Nico Cantor. How are you doing, my Ooh. friend? What's up, guys? Sam, Andres, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. Thank you for saying that I am the biggest guest on your show don't worry in the meantime you guys will definitely in, in a very short while i bet you'll have much bigger guests than me but uh, bigger than you being, I, I doubt being, it. <laughs> <laughs> being on your podcast it's going to be a lot of fun to talk golazo to talk chelsea to talk anything that you guys want to talk about soccer if, if it's about soccer i'm game yeah, I, I think you're you're also not putting into into perspective how your stock is rising too. So even if ours is rising, so is yours. So as we get bigger, you've you've already been ahead of the curve. So <laughs> nice. So when in 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 ten years, when Roman's Empire's pod is like the number one Chelsea pod, and I'm the sports broadcaster for soccer in the U.S., we'll remember each other. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll collab. Pod in ten years. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, your background in commentary and in football in general? Yeah, so um, I was born here in the United States and I grew up around soccer, as some or a lot of you may know. Um, my dad is a big-time sports broadcaster, soccer broadcaster, um, Andres Cantor. He worked uh, for Univision, where I used to work, and then uh, for, for Telemundo. He's been there for the last, I think, 20 years or more even um so just being around my dad naturally i was around tv for most of my life and i kind of got into the soccer broadcast world very naturally my dad always says he never forced me to do anything but uh i felt like i had no other choice so <laughs> I, I mean i love it i love it I, I love what i do and and you know i've been able to to blaze my own path my own trail and i and you know he's been able to guide me but no he he hasn't opened doors for me i mean maybe because i have his same last name doors have been opened but i've had to prove my worth 
because uh, having a name can only get you so far. So uh, it's been a nice challenge. It's been a lot of work. I mean, working weekends and working hours upon hours upon hours, uh, truly dedicating myself to soccer broadcast and, and, and to the sports media world, the soccer media world in the United States. So uh, it's grueling. It's fun. Uh, it's it's the best job that I could ever have imagined, and I'm I'm super happy to be here. I I I do play by play in English. I do play by play in Spanish. I do play by play. I've done play by play on the radio, on TV, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, in all <laughs> languages. So uh, it's 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 fun stuff, you know. W working with your voice, the diversity in in how to do play by play. Um, it's it's something that I'm still discovering, obviously, but uh, it's 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 very fun nonetheless, and I'm I'm really grateful. Yeah, I mean, as hosts of a, of a podcast, we can definitely relate. Uh, we're still learning. I mean, we're we're still we're still on the bottom tier of uh, how good we could eventually be. But you know, you were saying all the hard work you put in. I, I have to say, it shows. You know, like it, you're you're really doing a good job. Thanks. I actually I actually want to tell you like how I first found out about the Golasso show, like. You know, it was the it was the first day of the first slate of matches for this year's Champions League, and I'm scrolling through TV, and I, I was like, "What what match am I gonna watch? There's so many good ones today." And I see on CBS Sports there's something called the Golasso Show. I, I had never heard of it, and I saw it was you know I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like Red Zone for Champions yeah. League," and I was like, "This is amazing." Uh, so pretty much you're the Champions League Scott Hansen now, which is like such an honor. <laughs> I mean, this guy, that guy is a legend, and you're doing such a great job. And I turned it on, and I'd met you before. Uh, you know, your your cousin is a, one of my best friends, and we met, like, it was a little over a year ago, actually, last uh, Halloween. Uh, yeah, Halloween. Yeah, yeah. We and we were walking down the streets. Like, if we're, like it's hard to imagine. That was a year ago. People were walking together with no masks. Like, it's a different <laughs> – well, some people, some people were wearing masks because it was Halloween, but – uh, you know, it's just a different world back then. But, you know, I saw, I was watching for a little bit and I was like, this guy, he looks so familiar. And I texted Eric and I'm like, yo, <laughs> is that, is that Nico? And he's like, yeah, bro. And I was like, there's no way. And I showed my dad and he loved it too. I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's such an amazing opportunity. Uh, you want to give, give a little insight of how you're able to land a gig like that. And you guys really kept it under wraps until like, like a few days, like a couple days before the first showing. Yeah, so it it kind of uh, took off with a Zoom call with our uh, VP of production, basically the, the the CP actually, the coordinating producer. He called me and he and he and he really laid out what was going on. And then like the plot twist was like, hey, it's in London, and I was like, what? Um, I was in Miami at the time, and and you know we I had to take a big life decision. I, I haven't moved here, um, but I'll be coming and going um, because of COVID. I I actually stayed in London between match day three and four of Champions League, so I'm I'm here doing lockdown, um, which is really not bad. I, I rented a bike, so I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Discovering London because we get one exercise opportunity a day so i go out take my bike and and enjoy that you be able um, to visit uh, stanford bridge yet so i haven't been to stanford bridge yet oh, i actually come on, Nico. you know what you know what now that you tell me that you know what let's look it up on google let's see yeah, how, how far, far away stanford bridge is. what part of london <laughs> are you staying pretty, in right now 
th- I'm, so I'm in the center of London. I'm mm-hmm. 3.1 miles away from Stamford Bridge. You, you know can what? bike there. Maybe, maybe I'll go to Stamford Bridge tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, man. I'll send a post, picture to you guys. Post it on your story. We'll, we'll share it to our Twitter for all of our followers. They would love to see that. Nice. <laughs> I should do that. I should do a soccer stadium tour. You know what? Yeah. Thanks for giving me that idea. I've guys. done I it three you. times. <laughs> I haven't I've yet to see a live match at the at the bridge, but I've been three separate occasions. Nice. It's nice. uh, I'm I'm sure it'll kind of catch you off guard uh, as to where it kind of pops up. So you'll you'll be right by a train station. Oh, I, I love that about Europe. You take a slight turn and then it opens and there. then there's a stadium. <laughs> so yeah, you you'll also be pretty close if you want to a much older stadium. Uh, we're not very big fans of them, but Fulham Stadium should be yeah, pretty close. I, to so I see it right here. Fulham is is so I might do Stamford Bridge, Craven's Cottage, and then I'll figure something else out <laughs> and I'll wrap back around, guys. What what a great idea you gave me. Awesome. Well, <laughs> you know. You're 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 the co- you're the host of the show, and every week, I mean, it's it's incredible. They, you're having big names sitting next to you, the likes of Roberto Martinez, former Chelsea Blue Goose Boyette. I mean, that's that's amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I know you've kind of grown up around the commentary world, like you've, you've you've interacted with you know star players before, but I mean, do you do you get like starstruck at all talking to like these big names like i saw i saw you it, it, you did an interview with with uh peter schmeichel like and i know you're a keeper so he's one of the best keepers yeah. of all time like that must have been a crazy moment for you huh yeah um so just to finish the story and it's relating to this when mm. when our, our cp told me what this was i couldn't say no and and making those life decisions i decided to come here and and it's been it's been awesome you know a, a very a big selling point was that you know you you get to be in the studio with Jamie Carragher with Roberto Martinez the coach of the highest ranked team in the world and after the show it's like so first off Roberto Martinez is the nicest guy ever and I had never heard him speak Spanish um, because everything he's ever done on TV and in the media is in English. Um, so we speak in Spanish to each other. It's really funny because one of the Olazo shows, we did it together. So when our mics were muted, we were talking to each other in Spanish. And when the mics were on, we were talking to each other in English, um, which is pretty cool. <laughs> and then it's like after the show, it's like I'm – talking to Roberto Martinez he's telling me about the Belgian national team I'm asking him about players then we start talking about the U.S. men's national team and it's just like a normal conversation between two co-workers but one co-worker just happens to be the coach of the best team <laughs> in the world at the moment so uh, yes I've been around a lot of big names but you I, I don't think you ever get used to it you know because it's like you're a mortal like I walk on the street and nobody knows who I am <laughs> Uh, you know, like I can be a, I can be one of the best broadcasters, broadcasters in the United States, and I walk on the street, and nobody's gonna know who I am. Like, uh, hey, I recognize somebody... you. Come on, give yourself some credit. <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, you'll get the occasional like person that'll recognize me, but Roberto Martinez, like, he'll walk on the street, and he can't walk on the street, right? So it's it's a matter of just picking these guys' brains because they have an entire section of soccer knowledge that 
that, that you don't even have or that you didn't even things that you didn't even think of. So uh, I'm always grateful for these opportunities, you know, and, and, and they like getting into the banter with each other. Uh, like Kate's really good at that, uh, about kind of like making fun of, uh, of Jamie and Alex Scott also, who is, you know, a, a top player for her uh, during her playing days. Um, and they get into the banter, but like for me, it's like I, I can't talk crap about yeah. Jamie Carragher. Like, like it's really hard. Like, it's really funny because Angelino, for example, Angelino scored two goals in that first RB Leipzig game. In that first game, that first goal Lasso show was doing with Jamie Carragher. And one of the stats guys in my ear, it's like Angelino has scored two goals. Jamie Carragher scored three in his entire career. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to use that right now. Like, so, you know, it, it's getting used to knowing these guys and developing relationships, but it's, it's truly amazing that I get to be with these guys uh, very often and, and, and learn from them. And, and I'm very grateful to CBS for thinking about me when, you know, when, when this opportunity came up, Nico, <laughs> you, you, you you make fun of him for the goals and then he's just like Nico I have a Champions League trophy I, <laughs> right. I think I, I think I'm okay <laughs> if you if you can drop one Slippy G reference for us I will be eternally <laughs> grateful to you you just have to drop one just say it was the me it was from a Chelsea fan he asked me to say it you know that'll that'll get you off the hook. Yeah, so um, we were together when yeah. Dembaba scored for Istanbul mm-hmm. Basak Shahir oh, yeah. um, last week but I stayed quiet I stayed quiet. I was wondering, I was like, I don't think they made any references. It's like, oh, this is very similar to what he did to Liverpool that one season. It was all over Twitter. I think ESPN or Bleacher Report had done a, oh, this looks awfully familiar, like how it started, how it's going. And it was the the Anfield and then the the Champions League game. So that's funny. That was against United, right? Yeah. yeah, See, I was was saying Dembaba, he's a blue through and through. They wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't finish that off. We got. A, we got a Twitter question for you. One of our. Uh, okay. You know, uh, we're we're really big, so we have so many followers that uh, <laughs> ask him. So, you know, talking about Martinez and Poyer, he, uh, at Blaze Caruso, he asks, uh, "Are there certain questions or players you can't bring up on air when you're sitting there with Martinez or Poyer?" Yeah, so um, I, I just think you need to be respectful of, of, of what everybody has done in their careers, especially I think it's even trickier for Roberto Martinez because he's an active coach and, and you don't want to put him in a in a situation where he might feel uncomfortable with, with with how he answers certain things or have to, or, or where he feels that it's difficult to maneuver out of a very tricky question. So you always got to be mindful of that. I think with former players and, 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 and for, former coaches or coaches who are not active at the moment, like goose, um, you can, you can be a little bit more honest, but at the same time, that's not my role at the end of the day because I'm. It's not a journalist asking a player a question. It's it's coworkers. I I try to get the best out of them, but I put it in a certain context so it's not something you don't want to ask. Um, either way, I, for example, like halfway through the Golazo show, I I asked uh, Roberto Martinez about something that he does with the Belgian national team. And he was very honest about it. Um, I didn't want to ask, I didn't want to like be too like 
I, I didn't want to be too journalist, journalisty, you know, I like they just mm-hmm. start going deeper and deeper with the questions because first of all, it's not the right place. And, and second of all, I just, I don't want to put them in a situation where they, they feel awkward. They know how to get out of it. They know how right. to swivel their way out of a conversation because how many press conferences have they done in their <laughs> lifetime? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they, they know how to answer, but at the same time, it, it, it's about having fun and, and you don't want to put people too much on the spot. You know what not to ask. Yeah, you'd never Go ask with. him, Hey, why is it not getting the best out of your best player in Eden Hazard? Mm-hmm. Like you right. never, <laughs> right, right. But at, at the same time, at the same time, you could ask them in the long There the are ways of asking that without. Right, right. You know, throwing Zidane under the bus. And I know for a fact, whichever way I asked him, Roberto Martinez is not going to throw Zidane under the bus ever. (laughs) Like, he's a three-time Champions League winner. And there are certain ways of asking. There are certain ways of answering that I I think everybody's going to be happy at the end of the day. So, so Nico, you mentioned earlier your father – you know, for those that don't know, Andres Cantor is a legend in world football sports casting. If you've heard any match in Spanish, the guy that goes, gol, gol, that's his dad. So uh, we wanted to ask you, did you ever, do you ever see yourself doing things or even slightly mimicking some of your father's like go-to antics on air or some of the, his trademark kind of phrases? So I think it's more apparent when when I broadcast in Spanish because obviously my main influence is my dad. And there's actually sometimes it's really funny because like I can imitate some Spanish language broadcasters, but if you ask me to imitate my dad, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> but there's moments where I'm like really deep into a play-by-play. Like it's become very long like that certain play and – I'll hear myself saying certain things with my dad's tone, the way that he says it. And it's like, oh, wow, that sounded a lot <laughs> like my dad. So it's it's only natural that I have a lot of things. Obviously, in English, people won't be able to tell that much. Again, there's things, there's approaches to the game that, you know, talking to my dad for so long, him giving me pointers and listening to other people and, and us kind of dissecting other commentators play by play you know we pick and choose and we talk and we say hey i like this i don't like this 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 was really good that this person didn't and then you know it's these are conversations that i just it's to me with my dad it's a very natural thing that just that we do um and i think it's only normal for me to 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 have things that my dad has i don't use the same phrases um and I think the phrases come naturally. I have a couple of things that I say, but obviously because I'm not <laughs> as well known as my dad, people don't know what they are. But um, what are they? Uh, so I so in Spanish, <laughs> we'll start I using say <laughs> "por el amor al fútbol," which is for the love of soccer. Like when a crazy thing happens, I'll like you know I'll drop "por el amor al fútbol." Um, but in English, <laughs> in English, there's a I don't know if there's a go-to phrase, but uh, but there's definitely things I do repeat, ways of broadcasting, doing play-by-play that I do, that I do use, and and obviously you know having my dad as a as one of the people that I look up to and and somebody that can help me out so much, um, it's 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 great and it's only normal that I have a lot of maybe subconsciously have some yeah. some things that he does, but 
I also, I, I mean, my dad is not only the, the, the only person I listen to. I listen to so many broadcasters. And, and I, um, I mean, for me, it's like when there's a game on, I'm listening to the broadcaster and mm. analyzing the game and, and listening to every word and the form and the time and how and when and, and should they have said this, should they not have said this, uh, you know, what's a better way of phrasing that? And, and if it, usually, obviously, it's the people I listen to are really good. So it's like, oh, my yeah. God, that was great. Um, how can I incorporate that into my own way of play-by-play? So it's 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 just a constant, constant learning process. Um, so I wanted to ask you, so my, my father is a huge fan of your father. So he actually linked your father's Instagram profile and, and showed me a specific post. Your father got to be a part of the Golasso show virtually recently. And yeah. I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing here, but he said it was an absolute gift to, to your family and an unforgettable moment. And to our listeners who may be unaware, this was around the same time he was inducted to the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you, to hear your dad say those things about being on your show and, and putting the focus on being your guest rather than, you know, his own accomplishment, is that as good as it gets, you know, in your career and as his son? Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a very particular moment, and, it, and I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have ever expected it to be, you know, now at this point in my lifetime. <laughs> um, and it was, it, it really was a, a, a very cool experience. We've never got to be on a same show in, in English. We've done a couple things together in Spanish, but obviously down the line, I would love to work with my dad on a game or on a studio show, be it in Spanish or in English. It, 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 we're probably going to do it. It's probably going to be in Spanish, right. but either way, it it would be uh, down the line. It would be it would be awesome to, to to kind of come together again because I started working for his radio company. Um, that was kind of like my crash course before I I went from my dad's radio company to to TV with Univision. Um, and and I kind of wanted to stray away from my dad because then if if I worked too closely to my dad, it would have you know I just I I wanted to blaze my own path. Right, at right. the end of the day, and and that's what I'm doing now. So, uh, eventually, in my career, hopefully, we can come full circle and and mm. and do something together. That's do you, awesome. Do you prefer uh, the in studio role, or do you prefer to be in the booth and you know actually commentating the games? Yeah. So obviously, I think play by play is 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 where I I. I don't want to say feel the most comfortable because I really like Golasso show. Golasso show is is like I can really show what I know about soccer and Golasso show because it, I'm like a soccer freak. It's like I read the newspapers all day. I watch soccer all day long, and so it's like you, it's I, I I feel very comfortable on the Golasso show, and and I really like it. Um, but play by play has its its own magic. Imagine it's like there's a soccer game, and it's 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 its own canvas, and you can add. You can add your brush strokes to this work of art that it's it's I mean, you're not the only artist. You know, the soccer players are also adding color to it and, and they're doing their own thing. And there's the the noises, the fans. It's, it's you're part of this whole spectacle sure. and, and being able to to be the guy that that puts emotion in into this into this game. Uh, it, it's awesome. So I've heard that I'm that. I'm going to be calling games here and there for, 
for CBS. So I'm 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 looking forward to uh to to doing some play-by-play stuff in, I'm in waiting the for future. you to have your first Ray Hudson moment where you just scream <laughs> and you have your kind of viral moment. That guy just cracks me up. I have friends who, who don't even watch soccer religiously that'll quote him once in a while. So that's when you know you make it with the English <laughs> listeners and you have a, a viral thread of just outrageous emotion from a crazy golazo that you witness mm-hmm. on on air. Uh, so we yeah. got some more. T- oh, yeah. Go ahead, Nico. Yeah, no, 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 just it's 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 fun in English especially, right? Because it's like I'm I come from a Latino upbringing where it's like it's all about the emotion, whereas in English language, the emotion at times is more subdued, or or you gotta soften a little bit more for for some people. So uh, it's it's also something that I'm playing with, and and I'm looking forward to to having a couple games to to really show what I've got. Yeah, and also you know English commentary, it's also like moment dependent you know like if you're listening to like a spanish broadcast they're always making it sound like like it's like it's exciting when it's actually you know something's going on but like you know i think of like the you know one of the greatest moments i think i've ever seen in soccer history was you know the watford leicester game with you know dini's goal at the end and just the way he screams dini like it makes it it makes it it the the moment even more amazing so you know, that, that, that's that's I think I'd see that. Um, well, I got some t- more Twitter questions for you. Um, this one is from one of our fan favorites. Uh, he is the head of our Romans Empire, uh, the Ultras. Uh, his name is Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks, is it difficult for you to keep your emotions under wraps when your favorite teams do well or are playing bad? And how much prep goes in to learn the players' names and bios? Yeah, so um, I I don't feel as passionate about teams as I do for my team. So I, so for the people who don't know, Boca is my team, and and I watch Boca's games as a diehard fan. Mm-hmm. So nothing really compares to that level of emotion. So I'm, I'm pretty. I feel like I can keep a a pretty objective check on my emotions uh, when I have to broadcast teams. Obviously, I want Americans to do well. Obviously, I want Argentines to do well. And everybody's like, "But Messi, Messi, you know, Messi is Argentinian. And he must be your idol." And like, like, I. I love Messi, of course, and I want Messi. I want Messi to win the World Cup. I want Messi to win Champions League. But if Barcelona loses eight two to Bayern Munich, it's like it, like it, it doesn't phase me. You know, it, it's to me, it's part of my job. It's part of my game. Like, oh, crap, Messi lost eight two to Bayern Munich. Let's talk about it. You know, like like that, for me, that's even more of a moment to like really go in and analyze the situation. It's not like, it's not like, oh, Messi should just leave, and then you know, like I, I don't think about it like that. I, 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 I see moments, and and I like, I like good football. So if it's either play by play or if a game gives, opens the door to. Uh, a great conversation, a controversial conversation. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, and I think it happens a lot with fans. I mean, obviously with my friends, it's literally, it's 
all I talk about it. To, to me, it happened a lot. Like when I was living in my in well in Miami when when I was single, actually, um, I used to go out and I was like at a pregame or at a party, and I wanted to talk to girls and and just have normal conversations. And I would be constantly interrupted by my friends, like, "Bro, what happened to Manchester United? What happened to <laughs> Chelsea? What did talk to me, dude? Like that's so ridiculous." And it's like. Everybody wants to talk to me about soccer, so it, it's really fun. And I and I and I obviously, we're all fans. We're all fans of the game. Um, but obviously, having a microphone in your hand, it, it's a certain responsibility that you learn and you mold the way that you you learn how to say things in a certain way, so that you know you're not offending anybody. You say it in a very professional way, and you learn like that. I remember, like with my dad, it's like at the very beginning we'd be on his radio show and I would say something a certain way and the guy would just give me like a death stare and it was like, (laughs) like I realized that I said something in a way that I shouldn't have said it and then we would talk about it later and he would help me and and, you know, like those those are the things that that, that you learn being in this industry. Um, But at the end of the day, we're we're all fans of the game and and, and that's why it's, it's so great to do this. You know, on our show, we are incredibly disorganized. You know, our script is just a bunch of random <laughs> things. We like make it an hour before the show and we are all over the place. But I see on your Instagram, you have this, this sheet of paper with an in very in- like intricate graph and like, you know, like a table set up. It's, it's honestly amazing for me to see. And we actually have a Twitter question uh, asking, you know, to get it. They'd love to, from one of our followers, Nacho Fuentes. Shout out to Venezuela. He says, I'd love to get some insight from Nico on the behind the scenes towards creating an episode of the Colasso show. So like what, give, give me some insight on that. Maybe I could, you know, use a couple tips for our show and uh, be a little bit yeah, more organized I mean, too. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very tedious process. Look, I mean, we're recording this over video, over a video call so I can show you guys and then I can kind of just explain what mm-hmm. I prepare. This but interesting. it's usually... During the week, during the week, I'm reading, I'm reading the newspapers from, from Spain, here in England, uh, in France, in Argentina. I'm, I'm trying to get a, the widest uh, perspective of what's going on with the teams I have to broadcast. Um, because I, I, I think with the beat reporters, you get really good details that, that you don't get on TV or by watching anything because TV, it's so, it's so limited. It might seem like a lot, but I come from radio. Like my upbringing was through radio where you have like just a a decent amount of time to just talk about whatever you want. And like, I think the, the extreme perversion of radio is podcasts where it's like, look, we're talking about the most particular type of stuff here yeah. where you kind of have that space. So I start by all week. Like I wake up in the morning, make myself a cup of tea and read the newspaper. Um, and basically what I do the day before the show before. So on Monday before Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday, I kind of do like a little graph. If you guys want to see it, which I put it on my Instagram, I think you can find it somewhere. I, I don't know if you can read it or not, but it's it's basically the matchup, how they did at the weekend, who scored, uh, how they did a week before in Champions League, who do they play next, 
a couple of storylines that mm. mostly I already know, but it's just to kind of reinforce the fact that, you know, just to kind of like have a, a, a quick cheat sheet. So I don't know. I'll give you an example. Real Madrid, Inter, it, it says what the record in Champions League is, where the game is, and the storylines are Hazard, first goal in over a year. Mm. And then another storyline is can't afford to lose advanced in 24 of 25 group stages, which is something I didn't even use, for example. You know, like that's that. I, it's like over preparing to then use like 10 or 15 percent of what you write down. Um, but you'd rather have then, it and then not need it than need it and not have it. Right. Right, right, right. So it's just like it's it's that type of stuff. Inter haven't reached knockout stage since 2011-2012. For sure, I didn't use that. Um, <laughs> Sidan and Conte were teammates at Juve between 1996 and 2001. They won just two like city fun little yet. tidbits and stuff. Yeah, didn't use that. You know, like <laughs> it's it's most of this stuff I don't use. It's it's off the top of my head, and, and that goes just it goes back to watching broadcasts, reading the newspapers, uh, and just constantly being informed, talking to journalists from certain countries and kind of getting the lowdown on what's going on. It's just being in the loop of things. See, so for all of you doubters who think that Nico just used the Cantor last name to get where he is, that's the hard work that he's talking about that he puts in to be prepared and be, you know, as good as he is. So I, I, I want to commend, uh, that's why I wanted to bring it up, just to commend you on that. I'm really impressed yeah, by that work. Thanks. All right. This next next couple questions, it's more it's a pretty philosophical question, and I want to hear okay. your take. Okay, so first we're gonna talk about what a golazo is. Okay, this okay. one comes from Patrick Bark on Twitter at PG Bark. He asks, "Is golazo a binary designation, what meaning whether a goal is either is a golazo or it's not a golazo, yeah. or do, do golazos exist on a scale where you can have like four out of ten? You know, seven out of ten golazo. So what what is what does it mean to you? Yeah, so I think golazo is a very fluid term. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a there's the golazo spectrum. You can it can be a regular goal to some people, and then to other people it could be a golazo. You know, like for example, I asked that question to Roberto Martinez right after. A rip at the edge of the box. I think it was it was Toliso for Bayern Munich that just didn't yeah. even think. He just went bah, upper ninety, the freaking laser beam into top shelf. And I asked him, "What's a golazo?" And he goes, "You know, I really like golazos that are that are very thought out. That th there's a lot of thinking that goes on, uh, and and you know you, you really." put your mind into working out how this goal is. So for him, he wouldn't have qualified that goal as a golazo. Mm -hmm. We go back to the spectrum. For me, that's all the way cranked up to a 10. That's a freaking <laughs> golazo. If it makes for you scream, mortals, it's a golazo. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you're grabbing the chair by the sides, both you. arms, you're, you know, you're, you're jumping up in joy. Anything I think that provokes some sort of emotion, I, I, I think, is is a golazo. It might be golazo to some people. It might not be golazo. For example, I think there are certain penalty kicks that are golazos. I have this conversation with my friends all the time. This It's, 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 it's a never-ending argument because <laughs> a player goes and it's a penalty. Messi's penalty kick against who did they play at the weekend um, that they won? 
I forgot. They, whoever Messi comes on at halftime, plays and scores one of his penalty kicks, and the guy just ripped against it Betis. against Betis. Betis, ripped it upper upper corner with the inside part of his foot. It's like it's impossible for Claudio Bravo to get there. And to me, that's a golazo because there's a certain amount of risk to take. You know, you could you could you could body faint and send the goalkeeper the other way. But Messi said, nah, screw this. And he just clocked it. Mm-hmm. But he clocked it with precision. Like, if you tell me to do that 10 times, I'll score two or three, you know? Like, with that amount of precision and that amount of power. So yeah. there's a certain level of skill to that, that for somebody just watching, is like, oh, whatever, dude, Messi scored a penalty kick. It's like... Um, How he to did. me, that's a golazo. That's a golazo penalty kick. It's like in the moment where the team needed, he iced the game also. Uh, so that's why I'm taught. It, it, it's a spectrum. It could be people could be people could mm-hmm. be super not about the golazo. So I'm glad you say that because I, I think sometimes when like the buildup of the goal is fantastic and the, it finishes on an earned tap in because they did the right yeah. movements, the right passes. I think of those sometimes like, Wow. Like, I don't scream out of mm-hmm. my chair, but that's like the calm version of a golazo. I agree I, with you, though. Like, a, over a, the a weekend. free kick, a screamer, a volley, those are always going to get you to us Hispanics more probably than yeah. others to just scream out loud. But, yeah. There's I mean, Chelsea-Sheffield. Che- Chelsea-Sheffield over the weekend, Sheffield scored an amazing yeah. goal off a set piece that ended in a tap-in, but it was, it was one of the nicest set pieces I've ever seen, and I – literally got up and applauded like that was so beautiful but it was just a tapping that's the kind of goal that roberto martinez would call a golazo right <laughs> yeah i mean the build-ups are also it's it's amazing and even if the finish sucks if it's like mm-hmm. a, like a, not even a tapping it's like he mishit it like give it to them you know like <laughs> long build-up goals are probably the hardest things to do in 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 modern soccer just because it's from judging from the speed of it judging you know like I think a lot of Eurocentric people don't realize how good their team, how well their teams played and how good they actually are. Like coming from a South American fan, like a fan of South American soccer, like a diehard of Boca, like, like I'm, if Boca can string together four passes and it's a goal, like go last. And for example, they played Newell's old boys over the weekend. Newell's could have put together three passes. And for them, it's like they're not even asking for three passes. They're asking, like, for Boca to have, like, a bad pass out of the back. Somebody pick it up and shoot mm-hmm. and score. Like, and they'll celebrate. Like, that's how Tevez scored. Literally, uh, during the weekend, it's like Salvio received a poor pass out of the back from Newell's. And he gave it to Tevez. And Tevez went around the goalkeeper and scored. And Tevez did it in a way that it was just like, you know, like great thinking. He went around the goalkeeper, threw a body faint. Goalkeeper was on the floor kind of just scrambling and swiping and he didn't get there and empty net finish. It's like, again, in Europe, you're like, you see that and it's just like, oh, what a, what a crap giveaway. Oh, like it's, and, and, and Tevez scored that and I'm like clenching my fist like, vamos, golazo. So it's it's there's many tastes in in golazo qualification. So just a follow up. This one's from Patrick Bark at PG Bark on Twitter. 
Uh, oh, sorry. No, this one's from no, this one's from Braid or at Boardwalk. <laughs> that was the last one. Uh, so across a standard season or a tournament, what percentage of goals should be classified as golazos? We got a lot of golazo centered centered questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, only <laughs> um, I think over the season you you kind of get a couple of jewels here and there. Over the season, I think there will always be at least one goal that you're like just mind blown. I can think of, for example, the remember for Arsenal the Giroud heel flick that ends up hitting the crossbar like that. I think was the standout goal for the season. I can th- oh, well this past weekend somebody for Bayer Leverkusen or or Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think it was Valentin Lazaro. He like did like a scorpion kick. That's for sure. Not only is it going to be the goal of the season, it's going to go to the to the Puskas. It's going to be a nominee mm-hmm. for a Puskas if there is a whole the best <laughs> award ceremony, which I don't know if there's going to be or not, given that the Ballon d'Or wasn't given. I think FIFA might do it. But so anyways, um, so I think you're always going to have like your superlative. And then there's going to be a handful of goals that, you know, season-defining. Season-defining, it can make or break your season. It's just it, because soccer is such a uh, an emotional an emotional type of, of game, you know. it's It can really, it can set the tone for the next week. I want, for example, I wonder, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to look up how West Ham did after the Lancini belter that tied the Spurs game. Mm -hmm. So how they do against Spurs, exactly. What was, maybe they lost the next next day, but I want to see what, okay, so they tied Manchester City and then they lost against Liverpool. They had a bad schedule. But anyway, (laughs) it can, it can, it can set the tone to the week. Yeah, bad example. We love it though, because anything that makes fun of Spurs is welcomed in this, in this podcast. Yeah, more the more the merrier, honestly. But look, they tied City, and City expected was expected to win that game. It's mm-hmm. they got a, a point result. out of City, which is which is important, and they just beat Fulham. I don't know. It's uh, I'm not saying I'm obviously not saying it's because of that Lancini goal, but but Golazos, Golazos set the tone. Can Golazos can can give you a huge boost of confidence. Uh, it's, I think I think it's different from from just a regular goal because it's it's not only how the the player perceives it and I think it would be a great question to ask a player it's like hey like you feel more confident like are you riding on more adrenaline when you score a 90 minute you know goal or you score like a banger and it's unbelievable rather than just like a simple tap in um because I know for a fact, I mean, for us, the fans, when we see something like that in the stadium, oh, my God, it's the stadium is pumping. It's like, you know, like, that's what you came for. So it's, 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 soccer's an emotional game. And when there are golazos, it's, it's, it's always a, a thumbs up. It's always welcome. Yeah. Uh, another one of our listeners, Guategol, he wanted to get right to the point and ask why Boca. But I feel like if we ask you this question, you might give us enough content for a book. Um, <laughs> to ask an Argentinian why Boca, I feel like that's a 
the, the answer should be why not and the same goes for those that are river fans and then how you hate each other and it's you know it's a religion almost yeah uh, but i wanted to switch it up a little bit if you were to follow a premier league side who would it be and why would it be chelsea <laughs> <laughs> assuming you don't already have a team I don't. I don't. The only team that I I feel passionate for is Boca. Everything else, it's like I'm I'm I, I just welcome open the door fan. to 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 good football. Like I'll watch I'll watch a Chelsea game. Um, I'll watch Spurs, United. Wrong City. answer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm. I'm just excited for a good game of, of soccer. And, and at the moment, for example, Chelsea, there's so much going on at Chelsea that it's just like every game, seeing the narrative evolve at Chelsea is is really fun, I think, at the moment. I love Timo Werner. I think he's a top player. So do I. I am obsessed with Kai Havertz. I love Kai Havertz <laughs> from his Leverkusen days. It's like I got to call a couple of Leverkusen games when I was broadcasting Bundesliga and calling Kai Havertz games. It was just like it's it was so fun. Um, That's the right answer. <laughs> you know, with with Pulisic, it's the 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 freaking hype train that took off took out the station, departed the station years ago, is now riding. Full freaking steam ahead, and it's like every time Pulisic is on the ball. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm American, and I love the U.S. men's national team. I'm like drooling, like, oh, I want <laughs> Pulisic to do well. I want Tyler Adams to do well on RB Leipzig, uh, and I've told him, like, dude, I love it when you play. It's like even when I'm playing with RB Leipzig on FIFA, it's like I make sure Tyler Adams is my center defensive mid. Like, <laughs> there's there's no way around that. So. Uh, Chelsea is is super exciting at the moment, and I really like watching Chelsea. And obviously, with a young manager that's also figuring out what's going on, um, very interesting you know, to see that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it's the development of Frank Lampard uh, and and his system. And you know, there's so many new coaches, young young coaches who are legends to us as players that are now becoming coaches. Take Pirlo, for example. Zidane, I think, is a very uh, specific and and an anomaly because mm-hmm. you don't just become a legend of the game and then become a coach with no professional coaching experience, no for, no no top flight coaching experience and win yeah. three Champions Leagues back to back to back. Um, so uh, it, it's fun to watch what's going on at Chelsea. Um, I I'm not a fan of, of of any team. I I liked City back in the day when when Tevez was at City because obviously. To me, when I was growing up, that is was my was my idol. Um, Apache. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apache was uh, was a whole feeling of 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 passion, and so I followed him from Boca to Corinthians, Corinthians to West Ham, West Ham to United, United to City, City to you, and I always wanted Davis to win. So uh, you didn't follow him to China when he played like twenty total minutes. So in China, <laughs> so it's funny because Gus Poyer actually coached him when he was in China, and I asked him about that, and he dropped some inside information on on how the relationship with Tevez was, and uh, it uh, I was already I think by that time because I went I lived in Argentina at the time when when Tevez was about to get there, and and I think as I was developing my own my own fandom of Boca living in Argentina and experiencing mm-hmm. it firsthand and also 
developing my soccer ideas to a professional level, um, I became much more of a Boca fan than a Davis fan. Like, you know, right. Davis when he was at Boca, he did really well, and then he went to China, and like he kind of went off the map for a little while. And and I was all about that Boca team, which was a really really good Boca team. And when Davis came back, it was like the team didn't play so well because it had to be centered around Davis. So I was kind of like, to me now really the, the thing that I feel the most passionate about is Boca. Uh, talk to me. We can have this conversation again when I get to broadcast a Boca team because I don't know how that's going to be. So uh, it's uh, I, I would love to do one, actually. But uh, that's that's the only thing that I really do feel passionate about. Everything else, great soccer is welcome. There you go. That'll be, that'll be one of the most biased uh, commentated games <laughs> in all of football history. I'd love to see that. Uh, well, if any of you guys follow Nico on Instagram, you already know that Nico is the king of Yerba Mate. And first of all, I wanted to ask you, what the hell is it? Because I have, I don't understand. Like, do you have to use those weird-looking pots and straws? And also, do you have an endorsement deal with a brand yet? And if not, can you please give me your agent's number so I can talk some damn sense into him? Come on, this is the easiest <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> so I, I do love mate. It's something that I picked up I drinking in college. My dad drinks mate ever since I can remember. Like every morning he would give me to try the thing that it's really bitter. I mean, if you guys want to look on the on what we're recording the podcast on, uh, I'm drinking some mate right now. And um, it's just a bunch of leaves. It, it's yeah, it's, it's basically it's just tea. That's what it is. It, it's it comes from South America. Um, I drink uh, Uruguayan manufactured Jerba, um, the best of the best. The gourd, yeah, the the <laughs> gourd. I bought it in in uh, in Uruguay. It was handmade in Uruguay. And if you want to, my contact is at Mates Uruguayos on Instagram, and he can make personalized mates for you if you want. And it's essentially just a tea. It's a hot tea. You drink it. The straw that you drink it out of um, has a filter at the bottom. And you just serve as you go, and eventually the taste runs out because you just water it down and you just serve some more again. But it's 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 kind of like a lifestyle. It's a culture. You know, all Argentines drink it. Uruguayans drink it even more. Um, I found here in London, I found the loose leaf tea from Argentina. But because I don't drink that, I was kind of like, oh, kind of mad that I'm going to have to drink this last month, like the Argentine leaf. Mm -hmm. And then Poye goes, hey. I have a present for you, like on our second Golasa show. The guy gave me a kilo of the Uruguayan stuff. And I was mm -hmm. like, no way. We're still talking like, about mate, right? The kilo of the yeah, Uruguayan yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just yeah, want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 just making sure. sure. <laughs> so like yeah, the way you make it, you, so... just, you just put a couple spoonfuls into it and you just add hot water. That's how you make it? Essentially, yes. There's some preparations that are a little bit more complicated, but to make a long story short, yes, <laughs> you literally just pour it in, you you fix the straw. It doesn't necessarily have to be out of a gourd. If you want, you can put it in like a glass. Nah, in, that would be fake, tea. though. You can't do that. Come on. You got to drink it out of the gourd. It, some people that are like over it that are not so like dedicated to the mate culture, like they don't care. If they have like loose leaves <laughs> at their house, they'll just. It's a lifestyle, in, like, man. It's not just a culture. Grass. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it really is a lifestyle. There's a, there's a bunch of. If you look on Instagram and like search Yerba Mate, the hashtag, there's like so many communities of mate drinkers. It's really big in Argentina. It's really big in Uruguay. I mean, the players are 
are all about it in Argentina and in Uruguay. In south of Brazil, they drink it. In Paraguay, they drink it. I mean, like, look, Griezmann was is a mate drinker, and he's French. He has nothing to do <laughs> with mate, but because of his time spent with so many Uruguayans at Real Sociedad, at Atletico Madrid, the guy is an avid mate drinker. Not only is he a huge NBA fan, so his thermos is literally decorated with Derek Rose. Derek Rose? No Victor. way! I was that's he I know he yeah. loves Derek Rose. That's so crazy. Like Derek Rose. So So my I love him. I have his jersey right here. Thermos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His thermos is there is, is <laughs> Derek Rose. And I, I imagine he has a personalized uh, gourd, mm-hmm. but uh it's uh it, it is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. I drink mate once, maybe twice a day sometimes. So if I get you a lucrative deal, will you fire agent and hire me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Good question. Good question. Uh, you got to learn how to answer that like Roberto Martinez. You can't throw your agent under the bus. <laughs> I, I got to learn how to answer that. Sadly, no. I'm very happy with, with my agent. At, That's at great the to hear. Thank you for considering I'm sure he's me. great. <laughs> well, Nico, I want to bring it back to the Champions League a little bit. And, and just wanted to ask you at this point, like, who is your uh, runaway favorite if there is one? And again, why is it Chelsea? <laughs> uh, so I think it's I think this year it has been has been very particular because of COVID. Mm-hmm. It's been extremely taxing on Champions League teams and Europa League teams. But mostly Champions League teams as well, because not only do they have to travel a lot, you know, these two weeks that we have off because of the international break, it's not like their players are sitting around. Right. Uh, they're traveling, like Messi's traveling to Argentina. Like he got on a private jet, but regardless of the fact that it's a private jet, it's it's still a, what, a 12-hour plane ride from Barcelona mm-hmm. to Argentina. And then he gets to Argentina, he has to fly to to other countries and then he has to fly back to Barcelona to then play that weekend and then that weekend you're done and you have to travel somewhere else midweek to play Champions League it's it's like we think that these guys are made of steel and they're human beings nonetheless that go through personal problems during quarantine that they have lives just like we have lives and you wake up on a Monday and it's and and it's a bad Monday you have the Monday blues you know Things happen in players' lives that sometimes we forget to take into account. But um, uh, it's hard to pick out one team because it's usually it's like Barcelona is killing it in Champions League in that first semester always. And like Barcelona is not doing that well. It's, Real Madrid is not doing that well. No. Uh, Chelsea showed inconsistencies at the beginning of the season. I think they're getting much better. But obviously... I want to see how they progress before I call them a Champions League favorite. The only team that I that I see above the rest, Liverpool also, some inconsistencies. They killed Atalanta, which was great for them because I think that was their best performance of the season, but they were struggling. Um, the injuries as well. I mean, injuries all over the place. I tweeted a, I tweeted a tweet um, mm-hmm. yesterday with like a list of injuries that it's just, it's, it's you know, elite level footballers and it's, it, it's only natural that they go through this type of strain. Look, yeah, I, I saw your list, and then somebody even added to it, and you added like seven more names after. Valverde, Benzema, 
Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho, Pulisic, Agüero, Ansu Fati, Coutinho, Camavinga, Cristiano, Neymar, Mbappé, Kimmich, Davis, Upamecano, Lukaku, Diego Costa, Dani Carvajal, Jesus Navas. And, and the more. list goes on. Van Dijk too, yeah. So, I mean, Van Dijk and, and, and Alcantara. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's only normal. So I, I can't, the only, the, really the only team that I, I really see above the rest at the moment is Bayern. Oh, my dad's going to love hearing that. <laughs> yeah, that, I wanted to you, – you answered my follow-up question because I was going to say that I felt this is probably the most open the Champions League will ever be due to a lot of the unpredictability of COVID, how you know we lost Kai Havertz for a few matches because of a COVID test result. You talk about these tra- you know, traveling back to their national team. Yeah. Lord knows if they'll get exposed, whatever country they end up having to play in. And then you're right. We we are having a condensed schedule where these players are playing two matches a week consistently. The England players, the England players, they leave the country. Anytime you leave the UK and you come into the UK, you need to quarantine for 14 mm-hmm. days. So, what's going to happen there? You know, like yeah. we're in lockdown here. And to to follow up, to add to what you're saying, not only the Champions League, it's like. La Liga is unpredictable. Barcelona's what? 12th? 13th? 10th? <laughs> so, see, that is in first, right? Yeah. Nice. Serie A uh, is unpredictable. Milan. AC Milan is top of the league. Like, the Premier League is more open than it's ever been. It's not just Liverpool and City anymore. You know, that anybody can win it. At this I think it's point, a Southampton's year. Finally. It's Southampton. <laughs> Leicester's playing amazing. Leicester's playing amazing. Southampton's playing really well. Spurs, uh, Chelsea, surprisingly. Spurs, they're all up there, and it's uh, there's so many leagues that that it's just it's become unpredictable, except the Bundesliga, which Bayern is going to win by a handful of points. But mm. everything else is is just open, open to see what can happen because it it is a very weird year. I'm reeling this back a little bit to Chelsea. So Chelsea is part of Group E. Uh, Right now, they're leading the table by goal differential. They're in first with seven points, plus seven goal differential. Sevilla is tied with seven points, but plus two goal differential. Then Krasnodar and Ren, each with a point apiece, and uh, minus five and minus four goal, goal differential, respectively. Um, so far, Chelsea have scored seven goals in three matches and conceded none, which is an unbelievable feat considering yeah. uh, the defense we had last year. Uh, so two wins, one draw. Uh, do you believe Chelsea is the runaway favorite to top this group? Yeah, I think they're better than Sevilla. Krasnodar and, and Ren are Champions League debutants. So I, despite Ren having a really good year last year, um, Krasnodar qualified to the Champions League. Um, I expected Chelsea and Sevilla to, to get out of the group. And I just think Chelsea has the edge over Sevilla, although Sevilla are a good team. But obviously, I don't think they have the manpower that Chelsea does. I think when push comes to shove, when, excuse me, when push comes to shove, Chelsea is better than Sevilla. Um, and obviously they'll have to play again and that'll be very group defining, but I don't expect Chelsea to drop points against Krasnodar. I don't expect Chelsea to drop points against Ren. Whereas it could happen. I mean, Sevilla almost lost to Krasnodar. They, they, they did pull a, a turnaround, like, like a rabbit out of a hat. Like they, they, they figured it out. 
with 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 one man less. They were a man down against Krasnodar, and Krasnodar was playing really well. But obviously, those are I think those are the rookie mistakes you make when you're first time in Champions League, um, being Krasnodar and playing a team like Sevilla that has so much European experience. Um, but it, it's going to be a fun game. Obviously, the first game was zero zero, so uh, first game of Champions League also for both teams. Uh, we'll see when when they play that last fixture in in December at the end of November. Um, it's so it'll be after, right? It'll be after the Rens game, I believe. Chelsea will play Sevilla after. It'll be it'll be it'll be Ren Sevilla Krasnodar, I think. I'll check right now. Okay, but I, either way, I do expect Chelsea. Yeah, you're to right. Play. It's Ren Sevilla then Krasnodar last. Uh... Yeah. The the, so, the Sevilla game December is 2nd. December second, right? Okay, I I expect Chelsea to I expect Chelsea to only get better and Kai Havertz to be back and and Pulisic to be back as well. Um, so I, I mean, it's not just because I'm on a Chelsea podcast. I think Chelsea are one of the most exciting teams in England at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's because you're on a Chelsea <laughs> podcast. That's okay. We'll, we'll we'll take it as long as you're talking yeah. good about Chelsea. We love it. <laughs> and we want to piggyback off of what we were talking about here and getting potentially top of Group E, looking around at you know the potential opponents that Chelsea could face moving forward. So let's say we do get first, can't face Premier League teams next round. You got the likes of Atletico. If Real figure it out, maybe they can qualify. Mönchengladbach or Inter, uh, Porto, Ajax, the Italian teams of Atalanta, Lazio, Juve. Leipzig or even someone like PSG if they don't get top of their group. Yeah. Do you see from, from you know, in general, do you see a team that would be a favorable matchup for Chelsea? Or or if it's easier for you to answer, is there a team out there? I, I have one in mind that just makes Frank Lampard and the boys just go, oh, shit, and you want to just avoid at all costs. Because for me personally, I would want to avoid uh, elimination game Cristiano Ronaldo at all costs. Yeah. Uh, so for me, avoiding Juve is priority number one coming out of this group. I think with Champions League, w- once you go into round of 16, it's come what may. Because if you want to win Champions League, you got to beat the best. I think, although players might not say it, you want to avoid Messi with Barcelona. You want to avoid Real Madrid because it's Real Madrid. You want to avoid Cristiano Ronaldo. But if you so happen to get drawn in a series against Cristiano, like, what are you going to do about it? You know, like, like you're eventually going to have to play somebody top. You're eventually going to have to play a Bayern Munich down the line. You're eventually going to have to play uh, a Barcelona, a Real Madrid, a PSG. So I think one team gets lucky because with all, all due respect to Porto, there's going to be only one team that's going to face a Porto. There's going to be only one team that's going to face, I would say, like second-tier elite. Whereas the rest that qualified, you're talking about the 16 best teams in Europe. So and, and especially some teams might not even be doing so well in league. So their focus becomes winning the Champions League. It, it, it suddenly from group stage on it, it becomes a priority because it, it's you can feel that it's in reach. So, yes, you want to avoid Cristiano because Cristiano knockout stage is an animal and he's the best player in the history of Champions League. Um, 
at this point, I, I think Chelsea has the manpower. Chelsea has the players. Chelsea has a squad to compete against anybody in Champions League. Like, it doesn't matter if you're Barca. It doesn't matter if you're... Like, frankly, I think today I would take Chelsea over Barcelona. Today. We love the um, Frank Lampard pun right there. Frankly, love it. <laughs> no, <laughs> a, true a true professional. A true professional. Come February, I don't know when Barca mm. starts picking up, when Griezmann might find his rhythm, when you know these preseason woes are are slow. They're slowly starting to like shake them off, or maybe. Barca's not doing so well in the league, and Champions League is the only thing they've got. Like mm. a Messi that might be playing his last season with Barcelona. That it's it's win or go home for him. Um, who knows? Maybe because of all of that, Barcelona's still tanky. I'll, we'll, we'll talk again in in two months. But today, I'll take Chelsea over over a decent amount of teams in the Champions League. You heard Nico, thing. listeners. He he's gonna come back in a few months to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> On the record, let's go. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing about Champions League. Like you get a team like last year, like Lyon, who made it so far, and Ajax. You know, a couple of years ago, that right. was you know, th- th- there's a there's Us always in a Cinderella. Yeah, I mean that was definitely one of the best performances by an underdog, probably in Champions League history. You know, coming out with with actually winning the whole thing. So, you know, you never know. You can make these predictions now. And reality, we don't know anything. Um, I wanted to just wrap up the Champions League talk uh, with this question. What do you think has been the golazo of the Champions League so far? Ooh, good question. So I really liked Tolisso's goal against, I don't know who Bayern played, but he scored that banger that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a free kick goal in the Sevilla game scored by Krasnodar. Let me, I'm going to get the names of the teams to see if I remember something. Luis Diaz for Porto scored a really good goal against Manchester City, I think, yeah. in match day one. Mm-hmm. Um, Tolizos was against Atletico, by the way, on match day oh, one. Too. Okay, okay. Well, in Kingsley Coman also, like... Yes, that whole match had a couple amazing all Atletico. King, Kingsley Coman is like has really stepped up his game. Um, let's see. Bayern just loves playing these Spanish teams right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to see. And last they... week, uh, last week the Liverpool Atalanta game. Uh, I I I don't know if you remember that uh, Zapata chance where he made a nice move in the corner and it like oh, went and over he, and hit the he, corner and didn't go yeah, in. I yeah, thought that would yeah. have been. I I don't understand physics that well but i don't think that had any chance of not going in and somehow it's incredible it did. So that would have been that, an amazing how it, hits the, how it hits the post it like yeah it literally hits the intersection of the crossbar and the post and you see that and you're like i still don't understand how it didn't go in how does it bounce out <laughs> that would have been i think that would have been one of the nicest goals of the i mean it would have been like I, 4-1 I remember, after that i really can't remember another goal that really stuck out to me um Salzburg, Real Madrid against Gladbach. I feel like that first match day, uh, there was so many amazing goals. Just I don't know. I was watching Golasso show and just they were showing them back and forth and all like South American players, which was another amazing thing. Like you know, you seeing all these South American players performing so well in European football. It's nice to see that. Yeah, it's you know I've seen so many goals in the past. 
in the past three weeks that I can't even remember. <laughs> it's all a blur. The, one, the one that sticks out to me is is the Luis Diaz one. I really, really like that one. And the free kick against against Sevilla, just because it was some guy who like nobody knows who he is. It was the left back of Krasnodar, and the guy curled it like mm-hmm. perfect Filthy. curler. It was really nice. All right. Nico, we really, really appreciate you joining us. But before we let you go, I have to ask you, give us one great Andreas Cantor goal for us. I want to hear it. Let's see what okay. you got the chops. Okay. You guys, but you guys got to do it with me, okay? Of course. Fair. You ready? Okay. Okay. We're going to do we're going to do a Chelsea goal, okay? <laughs> Who's going to score? Okay, we're going to we're, we're going to do a Chelsea goal and Andres and Sam are going to be on the field. Oh. Okay. Who wants? Who wants? Who wants to score? I'll, I'll assist. I'll assist. I'll, I scored. Okay. Some. Some. Ready? Ready? Okay. What do I do? Just. Nico Cantor's on the ball. Ready? Let's go. Nico Cantor's on the ball. Midfield, looking for somebody. Andres on the turn. Oh, what a nice pass. He's looking for some. What a move with the keeper. He shoots. Goal! 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 What that? a golazo by some! There you go, right in the, <laughs> right in the upper V. I love it, and that's 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 how I like to finish it, man. <laughs> Andreas, any final words for Nico before we wrap up? Uh, man, it was a pleasure to have you on, man. True, true pleasure. We love watching your show. Um, it 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 is nice to have a sock, true true soccer version of Red Zone, so that we don't really miss out on much because. Sometimes it can be hard to catch the highlights, so it's nice to watch them live. But uh, yeah, thanks again for coming and and continue, you know, to kick ass and in, in, in your career, man. It's it's fun fun to watch. Thanks, guys, and good luck to you. And you know, anytime I'm here for whatever you guys need. So uh, happy to be on this podcast with you guys. Thanks a lot. Of course, and uh, we'll be back later uh, next week. We have an international break, so uh, we well, we got another episode planned. We're probably gonna. Uh, release our recap of the Sheffield United match then. But until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.